The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As he walked along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. That was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? The parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for a second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know is that Though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
Do you want also to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you were trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out and went and found him. He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak in the name of the one living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. All right, today we're going to begin with a good old-fashioned back to elementary school show and tell. You ready? Now, I'm willing to bet that all of you have seen this probably many times in your lifetime. This is an illustration created by a Danish psychologist, Edgar Rubin, back in 1915. Choir, don't worry, I love you too. Here you go. Ah, yeah, (laughs) you've seen it, haven't you? So, when we see this, We all either see initially two faces looking at each other and then perceive a a vase in the middle, or we first see a vase, and then we see two faces on either side, which begs the question, which is it? Is it two faces with a background that can look like a vase, or is it a vase that can look like a background with two faces. Again, I love you both. Okay, here you go. So, hold that question in mind. We're going to get back to it in a little bit. But first, let's turn to today's gospel lesson. A lesson which, astonishingly, is longer than last week's. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket. All right, so, today's gospel lesson combines two themes that 
that weave their way in and out of John's gospel, and we've looked at them at various times and places. The first theme is the uh, distinction, the, uh, the comparison of darkness and light. The other is the comparison, the distinction, if you will, between blindness and sight. And remember, in John's gospel, darkness, blindness, those are all metaphors for evil, dishonesty, ignorance, light, sight. Those are metaphors for goodness, honesty, and understanding. And we see both of these today in the character of the blind beggar. This is a man who has been blind since birth, which means quite literally from birth he has lived only in darkness. And during his encounter with Jesus, he is healed, and he goes from blindness, darkness, to sightedness, to a life of light. Now, this, of course, is an amazing healing. It's an amazing miracle. And by the way, John calls these miracles signs. That's John's word for them. It is an amazing miracle, an amazing sign. But when you think about it, the miracle itself, the healing itself, is just a tiny sliver of this uh, extensive gospel lesson. The vast majority of what we read this morning is all about the bystanders and to some extent this man, this formerly blind man, but it's really about those who who are witnesses to this man and to these events and how they see things from very different perspectives at the end of the day. The first group that we encounter is the group of the disciples. And they come across this man, and all they can see is his blindness. And they connect his blindness naturally to sinfulness somewhere. And so they ask the question of Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? This man's parents or this man himself that he was born blind now think about this. This is an interesting question for me. They One possibility that they see is that somehow this man sinned before he was born so that he was born blind. But the really important point here is that the, the disciples can't see past some connection between, between misfortune and and sin. And that was a popular theology. In fact, it was probably the leading theology of the day that misfortunes were God's way of punishing us for our sins, our misdeeds. That theology lives today. Think back to the height of the pandemic. We all read from time to time and heard from time to time people say that the pandemic is surely God's punishment on humanity for all of our sins. We heard that, didn't we? Just a few weeks ago, I was in a group of people, and somebody remarked, well, we know that our misfortunes are God's punishment for our sins. 
Jesus rejects that and rejects it soundly. He said, no, that's not the way it works. And then we have the next group of people who are who? The neighbors of this man. We'll call him Mortimer. I like Mortimer. And they're all getting together. Mortimer's been healed. And they say, some of them say, this is amazing. Mortimer can see. And others say, all of his neighbors, people have lived with him all his life, say, no, this isn't Mortimer. This is somebody who looks like Mortimer. And they disagree on it. They are looking at the very same person, but they see entirely different things, don't they? And they won't, some of them won't listen to what the man himself is saying. The next group is the Pharisees. Now, interestingly, the Pharisees immediately accept the notion that this healing, this miracle, this sign has occurred. But instead of really looking at this, they look past it and they focus on something entirely different. Their focus is entirely on the notion that this healing took place on the Sabbath. Now, healing is a form of work. And the law forbids work on the Sabbath. Therefore, this healing itself according to the eyes of the Pharisees, was sinful. And the one who performed this healing, this miracle, Jesus, Jesus is sinful too. That's all they can see. And they don't listen to what the man has to say. The next group of people we encounter is a group that John simply calls the Jews. Now, I'm going to hit the pause button here and digress for just a moment because it is an important digression. When you hear John talk about the Jews for centuries, ill-meaning people have taken that phrase, that name, that moniker, and used it to justify anti-Semitism. And hear me, hear me clearly, that is wrong, and that is a misuse, a misinterpretation of what John is saying. When John uses the phrase the Jews, he is not talking about the Jewish woman or the Jewish man on the street. He's not talking about the Jewish population, the Jewish nation. John is talking about the Jewish leadership. Remember, in that culture, there was no distinction between church and state. The Jewish, the, 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 the religious leaders were the political leaders. John is specifically talking about folks like the chief priests and the scribes because it was the chief priests and the scribes with whom Jesus had all of this conflict. So if anybody tries to, tries to uh, justify anti-Semitism by quoting John, it is wrong. It is simply wrong. And so we have these Jewish leaders, and they take center stage, and they are not willing to accept the fact that a miracle happened. So they, they, they go to the, the, the man's parents and intimidate them, trying to get them to say, no, it's not our son. And they're successful in their intimidation, so they ultimately say, uh, go talk to him. He can answer for himself. And so they call the man back in again, 
for a second round of questioning, asking him the very same questions. And finally, he says, look, here's what I know. I know I was blind, but now I see. And we know that God doesn't work through sinners. This man must be from God. But the leaders can't see that. They can't accept that. They don't listen to him. They see what they want to see. They declare he's a sinner, and they run him out of town. So we have these various groups, all who are witnessing the same events, and they all have separate, differing perceptions. They see things differently. Many of them are, in a way, blind to the truth, right? So what does this all mean for you and me today? Well, I think Jesus here is speaking to, in this gospel lesson, speaks to a problem that I know I have from time to time, far too often than I'd like to admit, and I think most, if not every one of us, suffer from from time to time, and it's the problem of tunnel vision, And that is seeing the world, or more specifically, seeing a particular issue or dispute or question through the perspective of only our experiences, only our background, looking at it through a tunnel. And this creates a couple of problems. The first is it doesn't allow us to see the same issue, the same subject from the perspective of others. And so the whole truth is blind to us. We see only parts of it. And the second is this. When we engage in tunnel vision, when we are only willing to look at things through our perspective, we foreclose ourselves from new understandings that God is leading us to. So how do we deal with this? Well, it brings me back to our illustration. Got it? And the question, which is it? Is it two faces with a background that can appear to be a vase, or is it a vase with a background that can appear to be two faces? Okay. I have to admit, old habits die hard. It's a tricky lawyer question. Because it's not either or. It's both and. It's both faces and a vase. This reveals the possibility that sometimes tunnel vision will foreclose the possibility that, you know, sometimes differing perspectives can both be true. But you say, well, okay, that's fine. But we know if we go back to our gospel story that we have some people whose, whose perspectives are, turn out to be wrong. The perspectives of these people who won't accept the healing, who won't accept that it was Mortimer who got healed, who won't accept that, that healing even on a Sabbath day is good and so forth. Jesus speaks to that today. And he speaks to that In his very last words in the lesson, it took a long time to get to them, but they're crucial. 
Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Jesus here is getting to that tunnel vision, and he's getting to, the, to this, that even if our vision on this particular perspective is correct, tunnel vision is still a problem. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about our friends, the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are, are mistaken here. We know that, granted. But we fall into the same trap that they fall into as soon as we begin to point the accusatory finger at the Pharisees or anyone else because the rest of the story is important. It forecloses us from recognizing what are the Pharisees all about? What is the, what is the foundation? What is the, the guiding star, if you will, for the Pharisees? Well, here it is. It's this. They were dedicated to the proposition that they should at all times and in all places attempt to follow the law of God as it was given by Moses. Their goal was to follow God's law. Now let's think about that for a second, folks. What's wrong with that? That's a pretty good thing, I think. And I hope we can agree on that. The problem is, of course, that we can see that what happened with them is they began to focus so tightly on following the law that this tunnel vision developed. But what Jesus is saying when he says, when you say, we, we see your sin remains, he's saying, as soon as we begin to point fingers and say, our perception is the correct perception, then that tunnel vision begins to focus, to, begins to uh, form itself around us. And when we develop tunnel vision, we begin to develop the authority or the, excuse me, the perception that our view is the correct view, then arrogance takes seed. That's where the Pharisees arrived at a position of arrogance. So Jesus, I think, is asking us today to engage in some pretty rigorous introspection for each of us to ask ourselves, in what way am I blind to the perceptions of others, even and especially those with whom I disagree? And secondly, in what ways have I developed tunnel vision so that I am foreclosing God being able to lead me to new understandings? In a few minutes, during our communion, we're going to sing a hymn that we all know and we all love. It's Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by uh, John Newton, who had a nefarious early life. Among the other things that he did, he was a slave trader. He ultimately converted to Christianity and began to bewail, if you will, his earlier life. And a lot of that is caught up in his song, Amazing Grace. Today's gospel lesson 
is the inspiration from one of the, uh, from a part of the first verse, a part of it that you will immediately recognize. The very last phrase in the first verse is this, was blind, but now I see. Today, during communion, and hopefully even after communion, maybe we can pray to God, ask God, ask Jesus to reveal to us where we are blind, and pray that those in those places where we are blind, we also can be made whole, that we also can be made to see. Amen.